0: Okay. Well, my mom's an English teacher. My sister's got full ride. I didn't. She said she would take $20,000 out in a loan for me and the rest would be me, Mm. essentially, which would be me taking out my own loans. So I ended up going to university and spending well over $100,000 in student loans and came out with a very general degree.
1: Hello fellow risk takers and welcome to my worst investment ever stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community we know that to win in investing you must take risk but to win big you've got to reduce it. Ladies and gentlemen I'm on a mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives and that mission has led me to create the become a better investor community where you get access to tools you need to create grow and protect your wealth go to my right now to clean your spot. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host Andrew Stotz from AE Stotts Academy and I'm here with featured guest Will Basta. Will, are you ready to join the mission?
0: I am. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: I'm excited to learn more about you. I want to introduce you to the audience. Will Basta is the co-founder of Ascend Ecom, an e-commerce automation agency and investment management company. The only company in the industry capable of combining logistics, wholesale distribution, and e-commerce growth all into one. With two years in the business, he's made Ascend Ecom, a company comprised of 500 plus clients, two warehouses in Dallas, hundreds of employees, and millions of monthly revenue. will take a minute and tell us about the unique value that you are bring into this wonderful world.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So again, thanks for having me here. You know, I, I'd like to just draw it back to the reason of, of starting the organization that I currently run and, you know, and co-founded it, you know, this is an industry that is obviously booming. We see Amazon everywhere. We see people buying online impulsively. Now it's just part of what society is turning into, which is more of a digital society and companies. We weren't the first company to invent this model but it is an industry full of ineffective providers that were lacking ethics and lacking true execution right and so my business partner and I were able to to diagnose that issue see a model that had a lot of potential and that was broken and then revamp it and really legitimize the industry and flip the script and really bring ethics from the top real infrastructure and a sustainable approach to investing in e-commerce unlike anyone else has before. And so Mm -hmm. that's the value to bring to our clients. And we, we plan on, you know, bringing them value throughout the long-term partnerships we have with them over these, uh, these next few years and beyond.
1: It's interesting because, uh, when you look at capitalism, when a new idea comes along, greed drives everybody into that idea and they swarm into that idea. And, and then all kinds of bad actors come in and when When I was young, they used, my mom used the term caveat emptor, as in buyer beware. And we, you know, you relied on trying to protect your own, you know, interests and all that. And then what happens is that eventually all of those players get washed out, there's a washout. And then only the strong survive. And I think that every industry goes through that to some extent, I think we see the crypto industry going through that pretty massively, but the whole, you know, industry of e-commerce and all that, particularly in relation to Amazon and all of the people that can use those tools that Amazon's providing, seems like there's a washout that's happened over the years. And, you know, what I like about what you've said is that, you know, you've built your, you're building a reputation, a reputation based on solid business and solid business ethics. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Cause I teach a course in ethics and I tell students that You can build a competitive advantage just in ethics in fact you'll be a very rare person
0: absolutely i mean we that's that's the one thing we brought to the business when we first started that didn't involve any capital you know what i mean we came in and we came in with you know ethical leadership from everything from how we build our business model to how we treat our employees Mm has a trickle out effect to how they treat our current clients and our and our investors to how we face problems because we're not a perfect company. When there's issues, we face them all with integrity and honesty. And we, you know, we we figure it out. We handle those problems. We don't run away from those fires. And that's something that historically has not been done in our industry, which you call the automation industry where people invest and then companies build them e-commerce businesses. And it just really hasn't I'm not saying every company out there is is bad, but there's just a sea of that. And so we've been able to grow at such a pace that you know the reason why we've shined and we became a leader, and I'd say pretty much the number one provider in the space at this point, in such a short period of time, I would attribute majority of that to being ethically forward in our practices, mm-hmm. which leads to organic growth and leads to trust and leads to those hiccups that we have being, you know, clients can take them for what they are and they understand that we'll persevere through them. right? because they know that the people behind them and their partner, you know, has their head on straight and has a moral compass. So very important.
1: Yeah. I just love the idea of telling young people that you can build a competitive advantage in ethics and you don't have to be a genius, you know, like you just act right. And it's great. Maybe you could just describe like the typical, who is the typical customer of yours? Like, and what, what pain are they facing? What are they trying to accomplish that you help them do?
0: Absolutely. So our, clients come from all different backgrounds, right? We have school teachers, we have retirees, we have veterans, we have real estate investors, financial, you know, people from Wall Street, all different professions. The commonality is they're already financially comfortable. And they're looking to diversify into a new sector, new asset class outside of their traditional investing of stocks, and real estate, especially in a time right now where things are volatile, in the country and around the world, right? And they see that Amazon is everywhere. It's a you know a five trillion dollar industry that people want to tap into and they don't have time and they want to find a partner they can trust and they want to drive passive income and invest in something to make their money work for them. And why not an industry that even in this inflation that we're currently facing and this economic downturn that we're currently in, why not invest in an in industry that actually is growing between 5 and 8% this Q4 over last year's Q4, even with the current state. So it's sustainable in that mind. And essentially, yeah, people who just want to build passive income streams or they want someone to do it for them, we do it for on behalf of our clients, leveraging our infrastructure, and we accelerate them into this ecosystem, doing something that they couldn't do on their own because they don't have the warehouse, they don't have the team or the experience or the time, frankly. So Mm. they pay a premium, they partner up with someone like us, provider like us, and we do everything for them. And then we make that business profitable and share in part of the profits. So we're incentivized in that state. So essentially, to sum that up, it's it's people with all different backgrounds, but they want to earn passive income. They're already financially comfortable. They're looking to get into e-commerce and don't know where to start. And they just essentially want to invest in in a new asset class.
1: So does that mean that when there's people that are providing capital to you and then you're deploying that capital by helping these e-commerce businesses and then the providers of the capitals are getting the return from that? Is that what that means or maybe? Yeah.
0: So they, they own the business outright. So essentially you can come, you have zero Amazon experience. You come to mm-hmm. us, you pay an infrastructure fee, right? Yep. X amount of money, one-time fee. We then open up an Amazon account for you. With you under your name. And then we have a set team that's designated to your account that sources the products with your capital outside of that initial upfront. So you'll need working capital outside of that. So credit lines, et cetera. Sources profitable products, sends them to our warehouse. We prepare them, send them directly to customers or to Amazon's warehouse to be a prime product. And we handle the management of the store online, strategical growth initiatives, everything that's associated with managing the digital business. And Amazon's paying them out based on into their bank account. And then we track the net margins of that, right? And then we invoice the client based on what they've made that month in true net profit.
1: Mm. And how would a person normally do that? Like they'd say, oh, I'm gonna do that on my own. I'm gonna sign up. I'm (laughs) gonna figure out the products. I'm gonna get all this stuff. Is that how someone would normally do it or? Yeah, I mean,
0: I've even, if we wanna rewind, you know, seven, eight years ago, I bought a course on Amazon at one point, you know, uh, it was even longer than that. I wanted to learn how, The system works, right? And so anyone can open up an Amazon seller account to be competitive, it's a whole different story, right? And so you have to look at data. Everything's data-driven. We have a unique Mm. way of approaching it. There's plenty of softwares out there where people can learn how to do it via YouTube to some extent. But there is a ceiling for all of that because you literally have to use, we use multiple softwares, but not only that to be competitive now, in order to get a product to a client, and get it to Amazon's warehouse, you need to actually use a 3PL center, which is a third-party warehousing system, which is not sustainable for this kind of model if Mm. you want to have quicker returns and higher margins, or have it sent to your house first and be doing this out of your garage. And no one wants to do that. And so so our facility is the middleman in between a product getting sourced and it getting to the customer and or getting to an Amazon Prime warehouse, right? Mm. And so if you're doing this on your own, you know, you're gonna have to be a lot more hands-on. So it requires a lot more time and you definitely would have to hire someone if you wanna make this scalable and actually make returns that are respectful in terms Mm. of money.
1: I was thinking about a a friend of mine here in Thailand who started a a rice cracker business and Mm -hmm. he's manufacturing these rice crackers in Thailand, packaging them (laughs) and then he's selling them only on Amazon basically. And then eventually he realized he needed to set up some sort of operation or some sort of warehousing in America and his sales were going pretty well. And then all of a sudden now he has a lot more complexity to it. And it sounds like that type of thing is the type of thing that you help.
0: Once uh, you get to the next level, there's always going to be more infrastructure that's needed. Right. So you could be, we have plenty of clients who come to us who have plateaued in what they can put into their business. Yep. And they need, they need a partner. That's got everything that we have in order to take it to the next level. And Mm -hmm. then people who come in blindly with no business at all. Right. So it just varies, but you made a good point there as things grow. And if you really want to not put a cap on your growth and your scalability, you need to have infrastructure and that with that comes complexity Mm -hmm. more, just essentially more resources and, and everything you would need that we provide.
1: And for somebody that says, I think I need this service. Where's the best way for them to find out more about you guys?
0: Yeah. I mean, we're all over YouTube, all over Instagram. YouTube is AscendEcom. Yeah. Instagram's Ascend underscore E-C-O-M, A-S-C-E-N-D underscore E-C-O-M. And then our website's pretty resourceful. We have all the podcasts we've done, Forbes articles, you know, all publications, and then some infographics on our model and some videos about us. And that's yeah. www.AscendEcom.com. And you can book a call with us there directly.
1: Fantastic. Well, what a great introduction. And now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst Uh. investment thinking it will be. Tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it, and then tell us your story.
0: Yeah. So I I actually, I come from a lower middle-class family in in upstate New York. I got two older sisters, both of which are extremely intelligent, and one of which went to Columbia, the other one went to Tulane, double Mm -hmm. masters, Ivy League, a lot of big shoes to fill, right? Great universities, amazing. I, on the other hand, You know, not saying I don't have intelligence, but you follow the path of your elders a lot of times and what society pretty much puts in front of you. Generations have evolved immensely, times have changed, things have become digital. It's never wise to look at what was going on in the 60s through the 90s and apply that exactly to what makes sense in the mid 2000s, right? You just never know, and it's all relative. So leading into this, you know, what's the next path after high school? You know, you, you go to university, you go to college. That's even if you don't know what you want to do, you don't have any, I mean, I I had thoughts of, I was pushing myself down the pre-med direction and I thought, okay, well, I have to go to a college. I have to, I have to, I have to, I can't be behind. I have to do this. Okay. Well, my mom's an English teacher. My sister's got full ride. I didn't. She said she would take $20,000 out in a loan for me. And the rest would be me, Mm. (laughs) essentially, which would be me taking out my own loans. So I ended up going to university and spending well over $100,000 in student loans and came out with a very general degree. And so leading into my worst investment ever, and this is not applicable to everyone, because some people have specific things they want to go for. Some people generally want to go for certain things. And I just feel like I I felt like I rushed into university without taking a step back. And I put myself in serious debt. And I don't really see anything out of that university experience, specifically academic wise, that has been at all applicable to where I am right now in my Um, entrepreneurial career. So I would say that is the worst six figure investment I've ever made.
1: Okay, so let's let's think about the lessons that you learned. How would you describe those?
0: It's a big thing to learn that you need to not, you know, there are things that are laid out, but what different generations have done that seem like it's the right way to do things, mm. but things change all the time. So you need to be able to step outside the box of the rat race, of the path that is always laid out in society, the societal path that gets just laid brick by brick and you see all this stuff on TV and whatever and you hear about all these things in the end, your parents say this and whatever, you need to be able to take a step back out of the situation and take a breather and assess things and, and understand there's a lot of time. So I learned that there's a lot of time and you don't need to rush into what's next immediately always, right? If mm-hmm. I had done this again, I would have taken a a full year in between me deciding university and me graduating high school. Maybe mm-hmm. I still would have gone. Mm-hmm. There's a good chance I wouldn't have though too. You know, That's a big lesson for me. It's also knowing that like, University isn't a hundred percent necessary. Yep. It is not. It was a huge thing in different generations. My mother going to school, college, she's 75, huge thing, huge accomplishment, way yep. different era. Right. You know, but me going to college and, and getting a basic business communications degree. I mean, shit.
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So maybe I'll share a few things that I took away, you know, yeah. you know, the first thing I was, I wrote down is, you know, somehow we have to acquire knowledge, right? You know, like we got to yeah, learn some true. basic stuff. And the amazing sure. thing about the world today is that there's so many options for acquiring knowledge. The second thing I wrote down is government ruins everything. What do I mean by that? <laughs> you know, the government just pumped in money into the student loans and, and into funding debt. And when they did that to the tune of trillions of dollars, what it does is, is it distorts the free market and it causes a huge amount of demand for education and the educational institutions now have this huge amount of demand hitting them over the last couple of decades so they can increase price and it's a endless supply of money being pumped into the industry. And this Their is business. What, yep. Yeah. And when government gets behind just about anything, they ruin it eventually. And they ruin this yeah. one. And now the government is, and it, you know, it, the government is the source of this awful problem. If it was free markets and universities having to compete and students having to figure out how to finance it and not have a flood, it. yeah, it would be a yeah. whole different world. And I think yeah. that you're, that made me also think about, you know, the, the decision that you had to make was a very different decision than I had to make when I was, you know, at that age, I went to Long Beach City College, I went to Laney College in Oakland, and I did college, my first couple of years there, you know, was 50 bucks per credit hour or whatever that was. And then even when I went to Cal State Long Beach, you know, I, you know, it wasn't that expensive, maybe $100 per credit hour or whatever. So when I asked my parents in my final years, I said to my parents, like, if I could if I could get you guys to finance me and pay my monthly expenses, I could complete university in half the time. And they agreed to do it after already me supporting Smart. myself for a while. And so my parents gave me about 500 bucks a month at that time. And I live right down from the university. I had a student loan, so I was able to pay, and I just took the bus back and forth to university, and I knocked it out you know much faster. And I, I left university with some debt. You know, I had been kind of been ambling around with different universities over time, so it took me a while yeah. to get my education. But you know, I had 20,000 dollars in student loan debt, which was for the university and for also you know my living expenses for probably five years. I could manage that, but nowadays, one hundred thousand dollars in freaking debt. I mean, ridiculous and I, I
0: will say I didn't go to a state school. I didn't decide on doing that. Right? I said if yeah. I'm going to a university, I can't. I'll be depressed if I stay local. Mm. So I made the executive decision myself to say, "Hey, I'm going to take on this debt." I'm also an eighteen year old doesn't know what the hell he's doing, but I'm going to take on this debt for the experience, right? And I'll find my way out of it. Fortunately. I've become successful to the point where that debt is irrelevant now. At this point, yeah. but you know what I mean. It, it, it's just one of those things that is just. And I'm a firm believer in education in general. Mm. My mom is a teacher. My other sister's a teacher. It's a very important thing. It's the foundation of the youth and, and how this country goes in different directions. Is foundation is education and making sure it's funded properly. We have great teachers and all that. But university education is slightly different. It became a business that I just think has been we've been cornered into it, regardless of what if you know you're doing and it's been a rushed process directly after I just think there should be a year in between. A gap year is very important after high school to sort of assess where you're at mm. and what direction you feel like going. Yeah. And then you can make that educated decision about, you know, and the way I look at it is hey, for those out there that are doing that and might be on the, the fence, you know, a proposition to your parents who believe that you have to go to college. Okay, let's say it's let's say college is 80 grand over four years. You can propose, well, hey, if I can make that amount of money by working <laughs> mm. in less time, wouldn't that make a little sense yeah. for me to like <laughs> at least give it a shot? Because we all know now the way the companies are looking at, they're looking at experience, and that's the most important thing. You know, a lot there's I don't have the data here, but there is for sure a reduction in having a bachelor's degree as a requirement yeah. for entry positions way less than it used to be way less yeah so
1: i also wrote down game changer cuz i was thinking about your mother and you know how significant it was i know my family my father's side of my family came from germany in 1839 to america without any formal education and that was my great great grandfather mm. and my great grandfather started an architectural firm in pittsburgh without having any formal education but he was able to make money from that enough that he could get his son who is my grandfather up to a master's degree in architecture and then my grandfather's son my father got a phd as well as his sister got a phd so you know in those days it was a big game changer for families to build and nowadays it's such a causing taking the free market out of education has just destroyed this game changer component of it i would argue so
0: yeah. It's either going to be free or you take the, or it's one of the, I mean, like we have this kind of thing of trying to be a capitalist society mixed with trying to have ethics to some extent. <laughs> Sometimes those don't really go together <laughs> and it becomes a, just like a, a wishy-washy situation and it implodes in our face with well, this, I think that the big, crisis we have right the, now.
1: The big yeah. implosion happens when government intentions, which are always good. Yeah. collide with government outcomes from government programs and totally they're almost always bad all right based upon what you learned from this story and what you continue to learn what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate
0: hey i I think i actually said it a couple times already take your time Mm. take your time yeah life goes by fast things go by fast but be aware of the roller coaster that life is and 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 be cognizant taking a step back in different benchmarks and chapters in your life and one of the chapters i think is important is you know everyone's pushing college applications your senior year of high school but if you're in that kind of period of time yeah maybe do some apps but take a step back and that me would be taking a year after after high school that's just one year mm. and it could make a, a massive it could redirect your life you know what i mean
1: so travel the country travel the world Travel
0: the world. Hey, traveling, I've been to over 50 countries. I, I Traveling is my thing. Might yeah. not be everyone's thing, but I've learned more traveling that I apply to my business interactions than anything I learned in four years at Arizona yeah. State University.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yep. So what's a resource that you recommend for our listeners?
0: That's applicable to this or just in general? I mean, I think a resource overall, I can talk about a book that I am rereading right now, which I think is is awesome. It's one of the most impactful books by Aubrey Marcus, Own the Day, Own Your Life. That book touches on pretty much everything from you know waking up in the morning to food, to professional life, to sex, to partnerships, to you name it, and has snippets of all of that. And I think it's applicable to reread and reopen that all the time. And I read that book at a very important part of my life, which led me to where I am today. So I attribute a lot to that book and and how it's really, you know, positioned me. So I recommend to go out and read that.
1: You're the first one to mention that. And I'm just looking at, I haven't seen that. So Own Your Day, just looking for it right now.
0: Own The Day, on Your Life by Aubrey Marcus.
1: Own The Day. He's got a
0: podcast that's pretty extensive now, but that was his first book he came out with. It's really well-written. And he started a nutrition company of which... He sold the Unilever, I think, this past year, but he's a good guy. I've never met him in person, but in terms of his opinions, doesn't push agendas, which I think is very, very important mm. for people out there that have presence to not to state facts and explain how they do things, but not, not push an agenda on mm. anyone who doesn't know, right? Mm. And that's how he approaches both that that book and his podcast and how he he does things. So I respect that.
1: Great, great recommendation. All right, last question. What's your number one goal for the next 12 months?
0: Number one goal for the next 12 months is to keep bringing value to our clients. I mean, we're on a speed train right now. We have 500 clients that we want to take care of. So that's the only thing I'm thinking about Mm. is making sure that they see that, not only they see value, but value comes out of their investment with us. And in the next 12 months, we're going global. So Mm. we'll be going into the Canadian and the UK market at some point in the next 12 months. So those sort of go hand in hand, but yeah.
1: Fantastic, fantastic. Well, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. If you haven't yet joined the Become a Better Investor community, just go to myworstinvestmentever.com right now to claim your spot. As we conclude, Will, I want to thank you again for joining our mission. And on behalf of Dots Academy, I hereby award you alumni status and it didn't even cost you a hundred thousand for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment do you have any parting words for the audience
0: stay positive stay on the path understand that being present is extremely important as much as you can that's Mm -hmm. all i gotta say
1: great advice and that's a wrap on another great story to help us create grow and protect our well fellow risk takers Let's celebrate that today we added one more person to our mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. This is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott saying, I'll see you on the upside.